Duly Noted, a health and care podcast, is the official podcast series of Duly Health and Care. Each podcast features physicians or team members discussing groundbreaking topics and innovations that help listeners reimagine and better understand an extraordinary health and care experience. It's a relationship that's important in maintaining good health. So we're discussing building trust with your primary care physician. Our guest, Dr. Scott Love. He's a family medicine physician and family medicine department chair for Dewey Health and Care. And Dr. Rebecca Utterman. She's a family medicine physician. Both are with Dewey Health and Care. This is Dewey Noted, a health and care podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Joey Waller. Hi, doctors. Thanks to both of you for joining us. Yeah, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. So first, for you, Dr. Love, what are some of the benefits of having a primary care physician that some may not be aware of and why? Oh, I think getting established with a primary care doctor gives you someone who's accessible for your daily health care needs. Usually, it's someone who can help coordinate care. Certainly, we take care of a multitude of issues. And oftentimes, if we need another opinion or a consultation or something we don't do, for instance, if we have a patient with osteoarthritis who is getting to a point of needing joint replacement, you know, a lot of times we've already put them through a series of things such as x-rays and some anti-inflammatories. As the disease progresses, then we can often connect them to that specialist that can help replace their joint and take them to the next level of care. And picking up on that, Dr. Otterman, seeing a primary care physician when in good health for wellness checks, as they're called, that includes regular screenings for illness prevention. What are some important examples of things nowadays that a primary care doctor provides there? So as far as screenings go, in medicine, it's super important to catch illnesses early Screenings occur generally at like annual physical exams. We also do lab work to make sure that the patient is currently healthy and identify any potential risks. As well as doing screenings, we review the patient's lifestyle and emphasize changes they can make. You know, if they're smoking or they have poor eating patterns, we can analyze those and tell them how they're impacting their overall health. And so what would be just a handful of examples of some of those screenings that are more important now. Screenings change throughout your lifetime, depending on your age. For females, annual screenings are going to be making sure that you're doing following pap smear guidelines every three to five years, doing your annual mammograms, as well as screenings when you hit age 45, starting with your colonoscopies and then continuing with various screenings throughout your life, such as DEXA scans and making sure that your immunizations are up to date. And so you just hit on it, Dr. Otterman, the needs of a patient from a primary care doctor are different in some ways between men and women, right? Yeah, men and women definitely have different needs at different points in their lives. Both men and women do colonoscopies. Females have to do mammograms. They have to do pap smears, unlike men, but men also do prostate tests as well, which females don't do. So, you know, both males and females at the end of the day have certain risks. They do have different risks, but either way, they should be seeking a physician annually. Gotcha. Now, back to you, Dr. Love. Speaking of medical needs changing, 
and differing between male and female patients. That's true, of course, also as we age, our medical needs start to alter. And so what are some examples of why it's important to have a primary care physician for various stages of life? Oh, well, in family medicine, we get to see them from birth to death. So some of my patients, I see them from day one and start them on their healthcare journey, providing newborn vaccinations, which are pretty heavy through their birth till two years of age. Then kids continue to grow through school. That requires different vaccinations along the line. And as they age, they tend to be pretty free between 20 and 40. And then at 40, we start to see them for the routine screens. They start to develop colonoscopy at 45, PSA testing for prostate cancer screening at 50, continue to monitor things like blood pressure as people age, their risk for diabetes and hypertension, dyslipidemia play a factor. We also take into account some of their family history, sometimes based on ethnicity, based on parental history of medical problems as regards to heart disease and diabetes that sometimes prompts us to order some additional testing to try to screen them a little more intensively, sometimes offering cardiac screening to our patients who have had their parents with heart disease so that we can kind of diagnose early heart disease and actually intervene with treatment medications such as cholesterol medications, working on diet, working on exercise. And so some of those things occur as they get to middle ages. And then as people get older, we start to wind down in our functionality and oftentimes are working with family members as we start to discuss issues such as dementia and things that they have inabilities doing, cooking, cleaning, bathing, and trying to meet their needs in terms of providing support services for things such as that. Gotcha. So back to you, Dr. Utterman. We have certainly covered some of the basic nuts and bolts of what you provide as part of that patient primary care doctor relationship. But in terms of building that relationship just overall, what would you say your approach is in forming that? The relationship between a patient and a physician is a two-way street. A patient definitely needs to be able to trust a physician and the physician needs to know and understand their patient, know their medical history, their background. The physician needs to demonstrate empathy. You know, if a patient comes in or is recently diagnosed with a disease, we need to show our compassion and how much we really do care for that patient. At the end of the day, a physician does need to earn the patient's trust in order to make a treatment and to develop a plan with that patient. The partnership between the patient and the physician is everything. When it comes to my personal approach, I really do like my patient to take an active role in their health care. I try to educate my patients about what's going on. I want them to understand if I'm starting them on a new medication, what that medication is for. I want them to understand various options and approaches to treating a certain medical illness in order to have a good outcome. How about you, Dr. Love? Anything in your career from your experience that's helped shape the way that you approach forming that patient relationship yourself? Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I went into primary care was I had that personal desire to be relational with patients. I think that just to share a story, like Dr. Utterman said, 
there is a two-way street. One is just knowing your patients. And I had a patient who had a child that had major heart surgery. And so this mom was very calm, cool, and collected and had been through obviously a very difficult pregnancy and difficult issue with the baby needing heart surgery. So I Knowing her and knowing that history over the course of a decade, she contacted me with a newborn with her, and she called and came in and said, my baby just didn't seem to be breathing correctly, and I just wanted to come in and have her checked out. And the interesting thing is knowing her over the years and knowing that she was not an alarmist, I kind of took that into my thought process. I examined the baby and really could not hear any abnormalities in the lungs, heart sounded good. And going on my gut feeling, knowing her, I said, well, let's get a chest x-ray. Let's just make sure nothing's going on. The next day, ended up having surgery and corrected the problem and currently is doing well today. But I think that was something where that relationship, really knowing her, knowing her history, really was a thing that prompted me to take the next step. So that kind of thing really can be helpful and useful. Absolutely. Great example. Appreciate that story. Just a couple of other things. Dr. Utterman, picking up on what Dr. Love just mentioned, primary care physicians, of course, also can be the point person for specialist referrals. And so how big a role does that play in serving your patient's needs? And obviously, you're much more comfortable making those referrals when you've been seeing someone for a while, right? Of course, we place multiple referrals a day, depending on the condition. A lot of times when I do place a referral, it's because either something is outside of my scope or the patient has a new diagnosis of cancer and needs to see an oncologist, needs to have a biopsy done of the lymph nodes, needs to have a PET scan ordered or it's just patient has uncontrolled diabetes and needs to see an endocrinologist, something of those sorts. Generally, when I do refer a patient to a specialist, sometimes during certain visits, I have to refer a patient to multiple specialists, and I feel like they might get a little bit overwhelmed. So I always try to reassure them if they have any questions or confusion, you know, after they've left the visit to reach out. And finally, for you, Dr. Love, just in summary here, if someone listening right now has no primary care physician, what's your advice in finding and choosing one that's right for them? Well, I think there's many resources online. Certainly, our health group has an online resource where people can really pick a specialty within our group, pick family medicine or internal medicine or pediatrics from a primary care standpoint. They can get the doctor, they can review their education, they can review some of their interests. There's things that sometimes people will connect on. And there's also physician reviews that are well-published just to see, you know, what have other patients stated they liked about a physician. And so that's a useful tool. There's certainly mom groups and other online resources that people will use just as they research a physician prior to going to the visit. Well, folks, we trust you're now more familiar with building trust with your primary care physician. Doctors, a pleasure. Thanks so much again. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And for more information, please visit DooleyHealthAndCare.com. Again, that's DooleyHealthAndCare.com. Now, if you found this podcast helpful, please do share it on your social media. 
And thanks again for listening to Duly Noted, a health and care podcast. Hoping your health is good health. I'm Joey Walker.